get ready, it's time. Motherhood Talk Radio, starring Sandra Beck, is the most powerful voice in women's issues today. As the owner of Motherhood Incorporated, Sandra brings you inspiring, influential, and interesting resources to help you navigate everything from childcare to corporate formation. Each episode of Motherhood Talk Radio features guests who all have a story, experts in their field, and information you won't want to miss. We bring you everything from the latest crafting tips to how to be sexy in your 40s. From great parenting tips to moms facing some tough challenges, and most importantly, how to bounce back with style. Motherhood Talk Radio helps you make a difference in your world and the world around us. Being all you can be starts right here, right now. Let's do it. Here's your host, Sandra Beck. everybody, this is Sandra Beck and I'm here today with Lee Richardson of the Brain Performance Center and Aaron Carey of Sparking Wholeness. And we're talking today, you know, Lee is a brain health expert, Aaron is a body health expert, and I'm just, you know, me. So what I found though, and I really, I really respect these women, not only as professional peers, but as good friends in my life and we met through work and what it illustrated to me was the importance of friendship and give and take. And this became even more apparent when I was diagnosed and gone through how many months of cancer treatment, I got wonderful support from these ladies. And also when it comes to the pandemic and caring for my father, I get wonderful support from these ladies. But I will tell you, if I hadn't been knocked on my butt with cancer, I probably would not have been able to receive the friendship offers the way Aaron and Lee have done because my ego got in the way because I'm always the one, oh, I'll help you. I'll take care of that. I'll fix it. And I get a lot of self-esteem from that. And boy, I'll tell you with my diagnosis and all of a sudden I needed to ask for rides. I needed help cooking. I couldn't dress myself. I couldn't even get myself to my doctor's surgical appointment two days in the hospital. I had to ask a friend to drive me down there, stay in a hotel the night before so I could walk across to the hotel and then get another friend to drive me home. That is the minimum I would allow myself to be helped. Now, fast forward two years later, I'm like, what is wrong with you? Why didn't you let people in in the beginning? Why did you go stay in a hotel? Oh, because I didn't want to ask anybody to get up early. And what I did was I robbed my friends of the opportunity to take care of me. And thank goodness, cancer cured my life. I didn't cure it. It helped me fix some of these things that were really wrong with me. And I see this in my friendships of professional, successful women. What makes us good at work makes us pretty awful at taking care of ourselves. Who wants to go? Well, that's boy, you opened up a can of worms now, didn't you? (laughs) (laughs) But you know, when I think about friendships and what they do, you know, I think about my emotional intelligence, how much more I am in touch with that emotional intelligence. And instead of just being on, you know, in the logic side of my brain, the left hemisphere, it helps me come over into the right hemisphere more. And it, you know, helps me understand feel those those good 
neurotransmitters. You know, when you do something that you like, it reduces that dopamine in the brain. And dopamine is a really feel-good hormonal response. And, you know, why would we deny ourselves that type of positive reinforcement? And But we do, but we're very quick to turn to a bottle of wine Ooh. or or a cupcake, a comfort food, you know, we're very com- comfortable going somewhere else. And I think that that what friendship does to the brain, just that in itself, I mean, friendship keeps the brain active. I think having all those people help you through that whole thing, Sandra, kept that brain active, kept that brain going. And not that you had a choice with two with two boys and a, and a father, but... <laughs> Well, and I think, you know, I really, I really had a hard time receiving anything. And I, I don't know if it's because of the way we were raised socially, you know, I was raised in a very tradition, Eastern European household, you know, the woman served the man and the woman didn't complain. And she just worked till she died, which is exactly what my mom did. And also in my religious background was really trained that I was there to serve, but serve everybody but me. Like, I don't remember any lecture in my religious training or my, even in my business school training at Northwestern, <laughs> nobody ever said, take care of you. Like Aaron, how about you? Yeah, this, this, I mean, I think this hits us all at a deep level, but for me is significantly, I, my family had a change within the last year. We made a big move to a different city mm. and I was separated from a community that I had been close to for years. I was separated from my mom and my sister who I relied on for a lot. Like, you know, it's just the childcare needs here and there. Hey mom, take the kids for a few hours. I got to record a podcast, run an Mm. errand, whatever, you know? Um, And I lost that. And I was totally on my own new place. Um, I'd lived there before. So I knew some people, but I had to admit not too long ago, I sat down with my husband. I said, you know what? I'm experiencing an unpleasant emotion and that is loneliness. All of a sudden I get into work mode, right? And I have all these things that I want to do with work and achieving and writing and podcasting and my website and all of it, right? I love it, love it. But then I forget that I need people, I need community. And there are numerous studies that show that the number one indicator for health and longevity is community and having people around you and having the supportive good friends that you can turn to, like you were saying, Sandra, when something happens and you need somebody to turn to, you've got friends there. And I, because I was so into my work and my goals for myself and getting started with, you know, even broadening my coaching business. I mean, I left that part out and it took me one day going, wait a minute, something's missing. What is it? Oh, it's community. And we have to, I mean, all of us, I mean, I'm, we're the three of us sitting here, we are go-getters, right? And I know people listening are probably go-getters as well. And it's so easy, you know, work is one of those things that you can feel, you don't really feel let down by work in the same way that you feel let down by people in a personal relationship or the way you feel let down by family, you know? So it's, I think it's almost easier to find significance in work than to reach for significance in your interpersonal relationships because it, it, there's there's not that um, deeply personal letdown if if there's a disagreement or if something doesn't go your way and so I get caught up in that when I realize nope 
I need people. I need true, actual people who can surround me for the fun, for the emotional support, for all of that. So I think it's important that we're touching on this. But you know, there's one basic component that goes with that, and that's trust. Mm. And trust is something that, you know, we're, we're very, for me, once you earn my trust, I will trust you with, here's my, here's my bank account. Here's, you know, anything you want to have, but people shouldn't have to earn the trust. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I think stands away a lot of times. And I think in the last two years, we kind of have forgotten what empathy is. We have been so focused on just getting through and just dealing with what we have to deal with that we've kind of lost our ability to be empathetic. And I think that that we're seeing that really rolls in because if you can't be a good friend is a friend that can put themselves right where you are and feel what you're human and make you feel. And the, the best part is, is they can make you feel okay about it. Right. Right. Well, that's it. I mean, that, you know, we talk about, you know, we've done a couple shows together now. We've probably done five or six. And if you look up Aaron Carey, Sandra Beck, or Lee Richardson, you'll see these on Spotify or iTunes or, you know, wherever you pick up your podcasts. And you'll see that we have themes that come through in our shows about how to handle our bodies better, how to handle our brains better, you know, how to, how to live a happier life. And one of the things with all the, all the supplements, all the nutrition, all the neuromodulation, all these wonderful things that Lee does and Aaron does, it really falls apart without friendship, without social connection. And, you know, the body and the mind and the spirit and the gut and the head check, heart check, gut check, all of these things are so intertwined. And when we talk about how to be resilient or how to be healthy, we can't be healthy without friendships, but friendships are really fraught with a lot of, you know, are you going to be my friend tomorrow? Am I going to say something that's going to offend you? That's why, you know, when my ex-husband had an affair with my friend and ultimately married her, my trust was really rocked in friendships with women. And what's interesting is when I look back, the good friendships I've made have all started out as work relationships because they're safe and there's a predictability about them for the most part. And there's also when it's work related, all of us recognize that we can always work around something. We can, you know, we're entrepreneurs, we can move and shake and grow our business. And yeah, there'll be problems and there'll be things, but we can overcome them because there's not that emotional component of heartbreak, you know, with friends, with relationships, there's heartbreak. And I want to ask you both, because this is something that is curious to me. I had a huge broken heart. I had a broken heart with losing a friendship, with losing my marriage, losing my mother and my home all at the same time, 3000 miles away from any family member. So when I, you talk about loneliness, I get that, but I want to ask you both from a brain Lee and a body, Aaron, what does a broken heart do? to the body. Like, do you see that? Is that a real thing? Like, cause my heart felt like it was going to burst out of my chest. It was so painful. It was like, it was like, I needed a big bandaid in there to put it back together. And I don't know if I was imagining that. Can we talk about heartbreak in the brain? Well, it's interesting because, you know, there's been research that shows 
if the heart controls the brain, and that's fairly, you know, fairly new research, but it is out there. And I think I mean, the brain is an organ, just like the heart. And there's a lot that we can do to when we think about heartbreak. How do you how do you feel in your body? When I feel heartbroken, I feel tension. You know, I feel I feel fatigue. I get in that fight, flight, or freeze. And I want to just go into the when you get in that freeze state, just lay on the floor, get in that fetal position and hug myself. And if I'm lucky, somebody will throw a blanket on top of me. And I think that when you look at the heart and you look at the brain, the the brain controls the autonomic nervous system. The brain throws that autonomic nervous system out of whack. So if that sympathetic takes over, you know that heart's going to start beating a whole lot faster. And if the parasympathetic takes over, you know you're going to go into that freeze. So what you felt in your body was exactly what you were feeling in your brain. Gotcha. Yeah, because I yeah. did. I thought I was losing my mind. Erin, can you weigh well, in? And we have, you know, we talk a lot about the gut brain connection, but we also have the heart brain connection. We have neurons in our heart that connect to our brain, you know, and I think that that's so fascinating to remember as well that when we, you know, because we know when we feel nervous, when there's something going on that, that, is uncomfortable. We feel it in our gut. We feel the butterflies, you know, that sensation, but also I think we feel our heart pain, the heartbreak because of the neurons in our heart that are connected. Mm. And all of that's connected via the vagus nerve, right? The, the gut brain connection, the vagus nerve touches on the heart, touches on the lungs, touches on all the major blood vessels that pump the blood. You know, I mean, it's all very connected to the emotional state of our brain. And if what the body can't process or what the brain can't process mentally, our body is going to store physically because our thoughts are stored in the cells of our body, especially if we're going through something that's so difficult that we don't even, I mean, some of some, like what you're talking about, Sandra, that's something that nobody prepares for that. Like there's, there's no like, you know, preparation strategy for, well, this might happen. We don't think about going through something like that. And so of course, when it's that hard to process all the cells in your body, follow the mind, you know, like the body follows the mind. And so I think it's important to remember that every cell in your body is listening to your thoughts. So when you're experiencing emotional distress, every single cell in your body is experiencing the same kind of distress as well. And it's, and it affects everything, you know, and stop and think about when you feel joy, how you feel, because I feel joy when I am just I have a, a grandbaby, a first grandbaby, and holding that little grandbaby, I mean, I, my body just felt so alive and, and so joyful. And you know, the, there's a great book, The Body Keeps Score. The Body Keeps Score, everything that's going on in your head, in that brain. Well, and that explains why, you know, at the depths of my drama, despair, heartbreak, you know, where I really, I, I thought about, you know, literally driving, trying to figure out how fast I could drive my SUV into the pylon at the, the freeway that I live on to make sure that I would be obliterated. Those are like how deep and dark my thoughts got. And when my friend, girlfriends that were pre-existing before my, you know, marriage fiasco, all they had to do, you guys, was say, let's meet at a restaurant. There's one Dodchados near my house. And they're like, let's just meet there and get some chips and talk. And all I had to do was see them, their smiles, 
their energy, whatever. And all of a sudden, everything disappeared. Like when you held that baby, like what a fickle body and mind emotion we have that I could be wanting to kill myself on the freeway 15 minutes prior to meeting three friends just for drinks and chips, nothing special. And it could be a complete and utter change of everything. And you holding your grandbaby, did it just change everything for you at that moment? Yeah. And she was even crying. (laughs) (laughs) And that was okay. You know, because it, it did change everything for that moment. And I think that it, one of the things that I saw through the pandemic was the impact of loneliness because families couldn't get together the way that they used to. Uh, and, and people were they, were, they were grieving. They were grieving for just that, that family, that kinship, that sense of community. People couldn't go to church. Right. People couldn't go. To, I couldn't go to the gym. I felt like. I, I had no community, and that had a bigger impact on me than the worry about the virus. Mm-hmm. How about you, Erin? You know, talk about this move, you know, because I've moved. I moved across the country, had my marriage fall apart, moved to a new city, couldn't leave. And that was the hardest thing, which I didn't recognize. And we're talking today about the power of friendships and how it handles, um, you know, trauma and resiliency and, and friendship. It's not the same to get a text. It's not the same to talk on the phone. It, it'll it do in a pinch, but there's nothing better than just sitting across from somebody at a table. You don't even need to talk. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and I think that something that I experienced through this life transition is that I was so busy worrying about everybody else in my family and how they were handling the transition. I forgot to worry about myself. I forgot to take care of myself. (laughs) You know, it's like I was just secondary because I wanted to make sure that my kids were okay and that they were making friends and that my husband was okay and that he was feeling secure in his new job role, you know, and it's like, I think as females, sometimes we, we carry that burden of making sure that, and it, you know, is that cultural? Is that just something that's within us ancestrally? I don't know where that comes from, but it's a thing we want to make sure. Well, I will say one thing that makes me think of is, you know, we always talk about fight, flight, or freeze. There's also that fourth category, tend and befriend, right? That's a category that only pertains to females that men don't necessarily experience under stress. And so I think some of us, when we're under chronic stress and we're in that sympathetic dominant state, we go into tend and befriend hardcore. And it's like, well, I got to take care of all of these people around me. And I got to take care of my kids and take care of my husband and make sure everybody is emotionally stable, except for myself. right? Because <laughs> I've got everybody covered. <laughs> right. and, and then one day you sit down or like what happened to me, I sat down on the couch with my husband. And I was like, I'm just feeling off. I don't know what it is. Huh? I miss my friends. I miss my family. You know, and it, it took me a second because I was so worried about everybody else, I didn't do a check-in with myself. And that's important. And so since then, since I realized that, I have been making an effort to contact, to go on walks with friends that I, I, because I do have some friendships from when I used to live in this community. So planning to go on walks with people, walking and talking is my favorite activity. It's so soothing. Uh, Planning, you know, little get-togethers, little dinners, hosting people, having game nights. Those things are important to me. I love laughing. Laughing is so important, right? Like we underemphasize and like Lee, you were saying, 
during the pandemic, when we were cut off from a lot of my friends and I, we would do zoom game nights. So Mm -hmm. we were able to laugh over zoom, even though I, you know, I get real sick of zoom now, (laughs) but, but at the beginning it was like, this was perfect. This is what I needed. And so, you know, just the importance of laughter and it's, it's an antidote to so much stress, I believe. Well, and I think one of the things about, you know, and I appreciate Zoom, but one of the things that I missed, you know, you're right, Sandra, you can just sit in the room with somebody, you don't have to talk, but the power of touch, just having somebody lean over, you know, and rub your shoulder, uh, or, or just, you know, bump up against you, the power of touch is, it. It's very connecting and it really makes me feel connected to the other person. Well, and I, you know, you guys talk about these things because we take them for granted and that's what the pandemic did. It took away the things that we've taken for granted. You know, we make appointments with friends now that we wouldn't, you know, you talk about the power of touch and the power that these things have over us and how important they are. And I just want to tail back and, and, and emphasize the thing about um, Aaron's talking about laughing Lee and I had a moment this week. Um, there was lots of things going on, lots of moving parts, things we couldn't figure out. And I was really worried about her. And then at one point in our conversation on Sunday, I don't know what you said or what I said, but we both burst out laughing. And I'm like, all is right in the world, even for that moment, like to go from, gee, we're trying to figure this out. We've got, you know, A, B, C, D, E, F, trying to figure out all these moving parts. And to just stop for a minute and to hear your relief, my relief, we shared a chuckle that sent me on my day all day in a good mood. One shared giggle between friends. Did we solve the world's crisis at that point? No. Did we figure things out? No, not really. But there was something that, and this is, you know, kind of that spiritual side of friendships. You're in Texas. I'm in California, you know ridiculously far away and we weren't even doing zoom we were on the telephone old school like we were both on our cell phones we couldn't see each other but there was a piece of magic in that phone call where you and i just connected in a way we shared a laugh and then we went on our respective days and that was probably as important to me lee as it was to you and it was just a conversation between friends about work You know, and that's something that I hope our listeners will pay attention to is just being there and just being able to laugh. And, you know, sometimes you have to look for you can laugh or you can cry is what my mom used to say. You got to find you've got to look for what you're going to laugh about. It's easy to see what you're going to cry about. That's just smacking you right in the face. But when when you see a friend and you can tell they're struggling or you're struggling, if you can just stop and find the humor in the situation, find something funny, that will do as much for the world as it will for you. Right, because there's things we can't fix. You know, we can't fix what are going on in the world events. We can't fix what our leaders do. We can't fix so many things. And there's there's an illusion of control that we have at work 
that I don't think we have in our personal lives. And that's where our friends come in. Like I remember studying archie, um, architecture and there was a thing called a flying buttress and it holds up Notre Dame. And I'm like, my friends are always these flying buttresses that are there around me to support me. And I think that even the thought of a friend, like if I think of Aaron, every once in a while I'll use this Texas um, cutting board that Aaron sent me and it's my Aaron cutting board. I don't cut on it, Aaron. <laughs> it sits there, but every once in a while I'll use it as a serving platter because it's kind of too nice to cut on. But I look at that and I feel good. I look at the diffuser that you sent from for Christmas for me, Lee, like these things are meaningful because they have a thought or an energy behind them and the energy of it's the energy of friendship it's the energy of love and it's different from filial love from familial love like you guys are not my my biological sisters i have those but you guys are like my work sisters and it's it's just a very different family and i think we need all of that and i'd love to to hear your thoughts on that well i think too the oh. <laughs> I think we also different seasons, right? Seasons change and even friendships change to an extent. And I think that it's a, it's, it's okay to be okay with that. Um, I think about different seasons of my life, like as a mom of very different aged children from five to 18, I see how even my mom friends have changed because you have your mom friends that you sit with at the, at the games, you know, at the sports games. And then you have your mom friends that you're doing, you know, Girl Scout booth sales with or whatever, you know, like we have these different stages of life and different people that pass through those stages of life that are meaningful, even when time passes and, and the friendships change, you know, and I think that that's something that is, is important, even with me, with this transition, this move that I've gone through, it's been good for me to realize that just because I'm in a new season and a new transition, it doesn't mean that that friendship ended. It just means that it might look a little bit different for right now, for the season that I'm in and the distance that that's happening too. I, I think that different seasons, different friendships, it, it, it all changes over time and it's okay. But it doesn't mean that they go away. Right. And I was so touched. I was watching the news the other moment, the other morning, and they were interviewing a lady, and the lady had left the Ukraine, and she ended up staying with a friend that she had had from when they were in law school, and this was over twenty-five years ago. Mm-hmm. But that basis was still there. The woman knew she needed a place to go to to come to when she got out of the Ukraine. And so she opened up her heart and her home. And I thought, you know, I was so touched by that because 25 years ago, 25 years had passed. They had gone their own way, but they still had that that level of trust and that level of being connected. And it brought them back together when they needed to be. Who knows? It may be another 25 years before they ever touch base again. Right. And there's an energy there, you know, there's an energy that happens between, you know, I've lived so many different places in my life and my work can take me back to those locations and I can, can get together with a friend there and pick up 
where I left off. And, you know, I was home in Buffalo, my childhood hometown in the middle of nowhere um, last week. And here I live in this big city of Los Angeles. I travel all over the world. And I went out with a couple of friends and I was sitting there and it was as if no time passed. It was as if my life in California or in Illinois or Michigan or Virginia or London, all of that just went away. It was like a book I read and I was so back present in its you know, 1987, only without like the big hair. Um, it was just really strange to be there sitting in the same little Bowery bar that we went to, you know, right after high school, nothing had changed and we hadn't changed. Maybe we had had different experiences and maybe our bodies had changed, but our spirit and our soul hadn't changed. And that was the connection. Yeah, that's, there's something to be said for those people that knew you back before anybody else knew you, <laughs> you know, I've, I've found that to be a really special thing about moving to my childhood hometown and running into people oh, and going, yeah. oh yeah, you knew me when I was yelling up and down the high school hallway, you know, like, I mean, it's just that there's something cool. I mean, there's also some, some hard things about that too, right? Because I made a lot of mistakes growing up, but <laughs> I don't want to run into the teachers. Wait, weren't you the winner of the white, the what I heard while I was home, weren't you the winner in that, that wet t-shirt contest? And like, no, I came in second and I'm purple. I'm absolutely purple going yeah. there. Like, you know, those pictures are still up somewhere. And I'm like, now I went from purple to like fuchsia. <laughs> yes, exactly. And that's the thing is it's like, and that's where for me, I've had such a back and forth relationship with being in my hometown because I have, I have things to grieve. I have things to celebrate. Um, I can still go to my old high school and see my swim team plaque up there. You know, I mean, that's pretty cool, but it's, it's the people who it's like, oh yeah, you knew me. It just as I was back then, before anything, before the kids, before the marriage, before the diamond the, in the rough, we'll call there's, it. <laughs> yeah, there's something kind of special about that. And there's something about those certain friendships that no matter time, distance, whatever it is, you get back together and it's like no time has passed at all. Like you said, except maybe the hairstyles, bodies, yeah. all of that. <laughs> but you know, it's too what interconnects us. I had it been a probably 10 years since I had seen some cousins and they were in town and they came to the house and I, I said, well, come on in. And I was out on the front porch messing with my dog. And one, as soon as I came in, they both looked at me and said, Oh my gosh, we heard, you know, we heard Dorothy. They connected to, to me through my mother. We heard Aunt Dorothy. Aunt Dorothy is here. And I'm like, well, maybe she pops in every now and then, you know, <laughs> But it was that that layer of interconnectivity. And that's what I think you have, Erin, with your hometown. It's, mm. you know, there's layers and layers and layers. And they're all frequencies. They are all frequencies, you know, and that's the, the one thing that I've noticed. Like, we all meet together and you guys have the same frequency as my longtime friends like that's why I think I recognized you like maybe we're all the same frequency tribe you know yes we share values we share you know interests we share all these things but there's still that kind of immeasurable little huh that comes in to play that connects my heart to Lee's heart and Lee's heart to Aaron's heart and Aaron's heart to my heart because the one thing I will say is both of you have incredible warmth 
incredible generosity and very, very open hearts. And I know when I'm with somebody who has a closed heart, you know, that energy is cut off. It's there's just there's no connection. There's nowhere to go but like run out the door. I think you're right. And I think that one thing that we can if we can become more aware of the energy that we put out there, because I can look back and I can think of times where, gee, I wonder why I didn't really connect more with that person. I was in a hurry. Did I really stop and give pay attention to the person the way I should have? Um, And one of my sons is he's great. He starts every conversation with a compliment Mm. and I'm like, and people warm up to that. And I saw him do it the other day. And I thought that's, did your mother teach you that? It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. It is awesome. You know, and it's funny how when I met each of you and you guys are in a different region of the country, how I just felt at home. And I wonder if we had traveled, you know, whether you believe in afterlife or not. I think some friendships, you know, there's a thing, a thing I was reading about soul families, you know, and our soul families, we run into them throughout our life and we have an instant kind of kinship and rapport. And, you know, I think of you, Erin, when I first started out helping you with your radio show and I thought, oh, she's got so much going on. She's so bright, she's so beautiful and she's so familiar. And the same thing with you, Lee, there was this familiarity, you know, not doppelganger familiarity, but there was a familiarness to each of you. And, you know, when we look and we talk today about the power of friendship, one of the things that you both did, you you felt familiar to me, but you also felt safe. You took the words right out of my mouth, Sandra. It's that feeling of safe. They're just people that you can walk up to and I, I see them and I want to go stand right next to them. Yeah. I, want to, I want to be in their energy. And yeah. then there are people that I see and I'll walk up, you know, I think I'll stay over here. <laughs> and it's not, it's not because they've said something to me or they have given me a cold shoulder, but it, it's just that that's when you feel safe, when you feel, when your vibes are harmonizing in the brain world, we call that cross frequency coupling. Okay. So we're cross frequency coupling with each other, which side account kind of sounds dirty, but but it really <laughs> it really isn't. But you know, when we talk about all this stuff and we circle back to like our brains and our heart brain and our gut brain and our our bodies, the one thing that comes true and clear to me with this show today is the importance of having people in your life that resonate with you that are on your frequency or the frequency coupling that that lee talked about it and how important that is for healing i learned it personally how important it was for healing but also how much it matters for how we navigate changes in our level of resiliency going forward I think you make a very, very good point because it's everything. And Erin, you said the same thing. We go through seasons. We go through changes. Everything is changing. Every day is a different day. And I think it, my thoughts on that are be grateful for the day. Be appreciative of the goodness and kindness that comes your way. But I'm even more appreciative of the goodness and kindness that I can put out there. Beautifully said. Erin? 
Yeah, I, I think we need people. We need each other. We need community. We were not meant to live on an island alone, right? And we forget that because we get busy with our <laughs> everything on our to-do list, everything that we have to do. In our world, we are so overly connected through technology, but we're also very underconnected on a relational level, I believe. And so I think that that I need to be reminded that I need people in my life beyond work what I'm doing for work, right? Beyond anything else. I just, I need people to talk to. And I think we all do. And we, we need to be reminded of that. Well, absolutely. You know, and I want to thank you, Erin Carey of Sparking Wholeness and Lee Richardson from the Brain Performance Center. I want to thank you first and foremost for being important women in my life and providing great friendship to me, but also that you guys could articulate the importance of friendship today on our bodies, on our mind, on our spirit, and as we handle our own resilience and the resiliency of others. So I encourage you guys to look up these women online. They are amazing. Erin Carey, Sparking wholeness lee richardson brain performance center go ahead check them out you'll be so glad you did we'll be back again next week with another great episode thanks for being with us today on motherhood talk radio starring sandra beck join us again we've got something you won't want to miss motherhood talk radio is a production of beck multimedia